This is a day or a weekend when many uh, celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they call it Easter, and certainly brought in all types of pagan worship with it and everything. And Brother Chuck, as you and I talked, and, and we all know here that uh, this is something we should, anytime we look to our Lord or worship the Lord, it's about his death, burial, and resurrection, not just once a year or something. But even on that, death, burial, and resurrection, do we know his death? And, of course, his resurrection is a miracle on its own. It gives us confidence that we'll also be resurrected. But his death, do we, do we think that much about it? We sang the song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And, and that's true. It's one of Buddy's favorite songs, I think. But, but that's true. But... Cindy, is this, this blood of Jesus, is that something they can just put a little pick in the arm and pull some of it out and do it that way? Blood? No, we know uh, there's pain involved here. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. I think to, to try to understand God's love and the love of Christ, we need to look at the pain and the suffering. Now, we'll not fully comprehend it any time we're here on the earth. But to, uh, to, to the, the more... I remember Brother Austin one time, I think he was looking at his grief or his sadness, and he said we need to look over that cliff and see, you know, uh, his, his sadness and his grief to see really how much he loved us. And, and I think the same thing. We need to, the more we understand the pain that he paid for us, the more we understand the love. So uh, we'll try to look at that this evening, and I want to start out in the book of Hebrew, chapter 2. I think it's a good starting off place to, to look at this. As, and I, I mention, actually I quote or go to this scripture often, mention it often, and I, I mention this topic and this subject uh, often also. But to try, so again, today people are looking to his death, burial, resurrection, uh, they don't look to the blood maybe uh, as, as we would, but even as we look at the blood, I don't, don't want to just look, well, yeah, they can take that out of syringe. No, it, it wasn't that. So Hebrew 2 and 2, very familiar uh, with us here. For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. And as I stated, we, I referred to this uh, a lot. But to me, this is a place I go to, uh, well, many places we go to, to see the love of Christ. But to see the suffering of Christ, it helps me understand the love of, of God and the love of Christ. And this tells us that every sin, every transgression of all God's elect, well, maybe state this, let me go back. Every sin... Every transgression, every act of disobedience will be paid for. It, uh, it, it will receive, here it says, uh, a recompense of reward, and that's not like a, maybe a good reward. It's going to receive what it deserves. That's what it's going to receive. In other words, it's not going to go uh, be overlooked. Sometimes we may uh, get a speeding ticket or something, and... Uh, uh, we may try to come up with excuse or something. Well, I did this or that, or uh, but so we may want to get off. And not we don't want to pay the consequences of that. 
And we might. We might very well do that. But this, this sin, this transgression, this disobedience, every one of them will be paid for. Every one of them. And I've mentioned before that uh, uh, some will be paid for by the individual. They'll pay for their own loo. And we, we said, well, what, what price is that? Well, that's eternal suffering in the lake of fire. I don't know exactly what that is. I don't know exactly how bad it is. But I, I, Cindy, I know, I used to think about that some. And I thought, boy, the lake of fire is not just till the end of uh, the decade, I was listening to some oldies on the radio today, and they were talking about back in 62 or this or that. And I can remember the year when it was going from 59 to the year 60. And I, that was, I mean, I'd never, I'd never, uh, that's my first experience with going to a different decade. It's always been the 50s my whole life, which was all six years at that time. But, uh, but now I was going to the, to the 60s. I mean, it was like, uh, is the world going to come to an end? I thought, you know, that's a big thing. Now we're into another century. But, uh, but a little later on, after I was six years old and, and began to, a, a little older, and, and uh, I began to think of, of eternal then, like a fire, ever and ever and ever. And I was trying to understand that. I didn't want to think about it, but Lou, it kept popping up. Didn't want to think about it, but then I think well, that's not till the end of this decade or, or end of the century or till I die. I mean, that's forever. I tried to imagine that, and, and it wasn't a good and pleasant thought to think. And I don't know what this suffering is, and I've, I have been discussing with some, and I don't believe that there is a lake of fire. I disagree that Satan is going to be cast there, and others are going to be there too. Now, is it a literal lake of fire? I can't say, but many things in the scriptures was put in, in words that, that we might have a certain understanding. What, if you want to think of the most, your description, maybe the most suffering you could possibly think of, I mean, and they had this, uh, uh, I can't think of the name of it now, basically it was a garbage dump that burned all the time. They just kept throwing it and it burned. Gehenna, I guess, maybe. But uh, they knew it burned all the time. And if you wanted to talk about great suffering, you'd probably say, boy, how would you like to spend forever there? I mean, that would be probably the greatest description. Like Job, when he was talking about clean, he said, if I wash myself with snow and make my head never so clean, well, he was using terminology the whitest, purest thing you could think of. Well, whenever they're describing the lake of fire, uh, again, is it literal lake of fire? It's suffering that we can't comprehend either, uh, in, in my opinion. So, didn't mean to get that far off on that, but one person paying for their sins and transgressions and disobedience that's the reward if you want to use that word. That's, that's, that's due justice. That's what it deserves. And if two people, well, then two people suffer that.
let's say there's 10 people. 10 people suffers that. But let's say somehow, if you could take, now I can't, I can't imagine any more suffering than that, but there is. But I can't imagine any more suffering than that. But if we could just, in our imagination, say, okay, this one person's going to suffer this eternal suffering in the lake of fire. Well, here's these other nine. Somehow, we're going to attach their suffering to this one. You can't. You say, well, it can't be worse. Well, it, it kind of would be if we can get, get our mind around it. But, it, of course, it doesn't work that way, but in, in a different way. Uh, and let me, well, let me just go ahead and, and, uh, and mention it. I said some people will pay their own. And, again, eternal suffering in the lake of fire. But Jesus Christ paid this for many with his blood, with his suffering on the cross. But it's no light thing. We see what the penalty is. The penalty for one is this. So if you take it, and I, 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 I talk about this, referred to it before, but if we, if we could think of all God's elects, even now, I don't know how many it is. Now there's an elect within an elect within an elect, but I'm talking about all God's elect, that he's going to uh, save some in the bride, some such as uh, uh, by fire. They'll have their rewards, but they'll still save from that eternal suffering in the lake of fire. So, and, and I, we don't know the number, but if we just, there's a lot of people on this earth today, just take them. Well, let's go back. Let's take the ones, well, let's just go all the way back to Adam, all God's children. Each one of them. Well, let's go in the future. So the Lord comes back, each one of them. Now the Lord is going to pay the price for them. Every transgression, every sin, every act of disobedience, he's going to pay for. Now we talked about one person in the lake of fire paying for their own. We talked about maybe ten people, and these other nine piled on this one. If one suffering eternal lake of fire, and then if we could take nine more and put on top of that, we can't even think of that suffering, can we? But then think Jesus Christ paid for all the sins of all of God's elect throughout all the ages. And there's no way we can understand the, the suffering. But as we look at that suffering, and knowing that he did it willingly, it calls us to see his love. Who would do something like that? Uh, concentration. Uh, I, w I was thinking while I was sitting here, actually. You know, I can take this Bible, put it on the back of my hand, and that doesn't hurt at all. The weight of this book, which is not much, but it's spread out over the back of my hand, that doesn't hurt at all. I could do that for a long time. Because this weight is distributed over the back of my hand. But if I take it and put it up in these two points like this, and put it like that, that, you begin to feel something there. Why? Because this same weight is concentrated into those two little points there. So it, it's concentrated. It's the same, the same volume, but it's concentrated in, in just two little points there. So if we take, if every man, woman, 
paid for their own sins. If everybody's going to the lake of fire, then everybody would be paying for their sins. One person, one sin. Or one person, one, one to their total sins. Another person, their total sins. But we know everyone's not going to the lake of fire. So then if you take all those people and take all those sins and transgressions and put them on one, now if it's spread out over everybody, that's still a lot. Eternal suffering, lake of fire, that's still a lot. But then you multiply that by taking all that and putting it on one. The suffering, again, we can't, we can't comprehend. But as we think on it, it causes us to see God's love for us. I'd like to go to Isaiah chapter 53 to, to look at this this evening. We, we go there uh, many times also. Isaiah 53 talks about this subject of Jesus Christ, and, and, uh, uh, and you can go different places and, and read about his suffering. This tells us somewhat here about what he paid for. But Isaiah, and, and again, no sin, no transgression is going without payment. Every one is going to be paid for. But Isaiah 53 in, in chapter 1, this is familiar to you. Brother Olson used to call it the Gospel of Isaiah. Isaiah 53 and 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? No one believed it, did they? And today we could almost say the same thing. Well, who is it revealed to, this Jesus Christ? Verse 2. For he shall grow up before him like a tender plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing that stood out. Verse 3 says, He is despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. He wasn't esteemed. He wasn't uh, regarded. Uh, he wasn't considered. We esteemed him not. So here he came, and he was despised. There was no comeliness that people, you know, but he was uh, despised and rejected and hated. And he hadn't done anything to deserve it, but yet, yet he was, acquainted with sorrows and so forth and grief. And verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. So he hath borne our griefs. As I stated, this, this book, and actually the back of my hand, I can still feel that. It's actually kind of hurting a little bit. But... If we have the full weight here, it's not bad, just like that, because it's spread out. But if I concentrate all that weight into those two points, it, it, it becomes painful. So here, Jesus Christ, it says, he hath borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Where did he carry them to? <laughs> to the cross. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, uh, and afflicted. 
So he bore our sorrows and our griefs. So there, it's concentrated on them, but they're not for us to carry. Concentrated, we're just piled more and more on him. Concentrated on him. Uh, and I'm going to leave my page marker here in Isaiah 53, and I'm going to go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 for a second. First Peter chapter two and verse twenty four. First Peter two and twenty four. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. So, we are, we're dead to sins. Why? Because he bore our sins on his own body on the tree. As I stated, if we all bore our own sins, each individual, what pain that would be. But all that was put onto him, concentrated, God's concentrated wrath put on him because every one of them is going to be paid for the more children the more elect that God has that just keeps piling on to his suffering just more sin more and more and more constant. it's not on us it's on him so if we can kind of to think of the suffering that, that he would have even if we go back to Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve fell, they transgressed. What about God's wrath back there? Where did it go to? On the animal. That wrath was concentrated on an animal. The animal was killed to make a covering for Adam and Eve. Or we could say there was bloodshed back there. Bloodshed to make a covering for Adam and Eve. So it was God's wrath towards Adam and Eve, but taken out. That animal is the one that bore the wrath of God for their transgression. And of course, we know that animal was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Because you remember when, when uh, John the Baptist uh, was preaching and, and Jesus came to him, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God. He wasn't talking to him uh, or in a sense as, well, that's a lamb that would be good for food. They knew what it was. It was a sacrificial lamb. And again, as Adam and Eve, the God's wrath for their transgression was put on that animal to make a covering for them. So here's this Lamb of God, the sacrifice. And what was this sacrifice going to pay? For the sins of all God's elect throughout all ages. I'm going to go back to Isaiah again. And uh, Isaiah 53. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. There again, we see it, don't we? We see all, all the penalty, all the price, all this just keep being piled more and more and more on Jesus Christ. It's more concentrated suffering on him. So, by what he did, the, the chastisement for our peace is upon him. So, again, if we just try to, to imagine uh, the number of God's sheep, the number of their transgressions, and all that piled onto Jesus Christ, concentrate on him. Again, we know what one person paying for their own is. We know what two people each paying for their own is. Well, actually, we don't know, but we look at it. But I'll say multiplied millions, and I don't know, but multiplied millions of God's sheep, all that pain, all that sin, iniquities, all has, it's going to be paid for. But it's all going to be piled on Jesus Christ. Just we know what one would be, or we have an idea, but all that just keeps more and more and more concentrated on him and the suffering that he will that he will go through. Verse six in Isaiah fifty-three. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him. The iniquity of us all. There it again. And you know, I've never seen this that much in Isaiah, and I've read it before, but as far as the concentration on him, I, I've just never seen it that much in this chapter, but it's almost in every verse, isn't it? All, all of us sheep certainly had, had gone astray and still uh, fall short, don't we? But it says, The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Again, try, try to think of that. It's, it's concentrated, all concentrated on, on him. I saw something on television not too long ago, and I told you a story of my little magnifying glass. Chuck, Chuck when I, was, I had a little magnifying glass I found somewhere about the size of a silver dollar. And boy, it was powerful. And I could cook ants and burn leaves with the sun. I could really, but what are you doing? Well, you're concentrating the sun's rays. Now, if you take a spot as big as a silver dollar and just have glass and shining through uh, the sun rays, it doesn't do anything. But if you take that and focus even just that amount in size of a 50 cent piece and focus it all down to one point where that same amount of energy in that sun focuses on the one point, you can fry ants, <laughs> do a paper. I saw something on one of these science shows or something like that, and they had a big screen. Marie is about the size of a window. And it wasn't thick like a magnifying glass, but they had something on it that caused it to focus. And, and I can't think what they took now. But, you know, you could put your hand uh, up against that. You know, the, they had their light source over here. I think they had it out in the sun, actually. And you could run your hand all up and down the inside of that window-sized, we'll call it a magnifying glass. It didn't do anything. You could do this and that. 
But if you got it, and it did have something that caused it to focus like a magnifying glass. But if you got up to that point, and they had something, I don't know what they was using as something sacrificial, I guess. But whenever they got, and they, oh, they pumped some, uh, maybe like some air or dust or something in there to where you could see how the light focused. And you come down to that point where all that was focused at one point, and they put something in there, and it just like exploded. And I forget the temperature was, Chuck, I think just that one area was like something that would melt steel or something in that, that one point there. So that's concentration. And, and again, that's what was piled on uh, Jesus Christ. So we think all that was piled on him. And he knew it. Whenever he, Lou, when he left heaven's glory, he knew why he was coming. He wasn't coming for vacation. He was coming for this. He knew it. And he knew what it was going to be. In uh, verse 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Uh, so he, he came as a lamb to the slaughter. So he was going to Calvary's cross. He was going to take all the wrath of God for all of his elect. And he was going to take them. Did he go kicking and screaming? Says he opened not his mouth. Why? Well, he, that's why he came. I, I've told you the story before. I suppose it was one of the reasons that the Lord brought in my life, but... Uh, packing plant up in Columbus and uh, I was there many years ago and, and watched them uh, I guess well at least one occasion do what they called kosher kill and they would, would slaughter uh, uh, cattle and uh, lambs and sheep for the Jewish community and the cattle they, of course they had to do it a certain way you know there's a thing with blood and everything Cindy it was very inhumane if you want to call it that that hang the cattle upside down and it'd take two people from the packing house to hold his head to where the rabbi could come with a sword or knife and just cut his throat and the cow, they would struggle and it was, it was uh, very dramatic but the little lambs had hang upside down and the, the rabbi uh, would come and just take his knife and just cut his throat. And the eyes would roll around and everything, but there's no, it was, you know, it, it was as a, lamb, or as a sheep before the slaughter is done. That's, that's the way it was. Do you, know how they get, do you know how they got those lambs to the slaughter floor? You know, you can't drive sheep. Cattle, you know, you can drive them and herd them, but you can't, you can't drive sheep. They follow. So back in, you know, you have the livestock barn, stuff like that, and you have different pens they're in, and you have these different series of gates and things where they would go to the, the slaughter. Well, we call it the knocking pen, but uh, where they would slaughter them. And uh, the cattle, you turn one loose and get behind the whip and just hit him, and boy, there he goes. He keeps running until it runs right in there. But you can't drive sheep. They just, they won't. They just, you just can't drive them. But they will follow and how they got them in there. 
and they would take several of them at a time. They would go and open a pen, and they had this goat, and they named it Judas. And they would take this goat, and they'd open this, and they had this goat trained. I turned this up a little bit tonight. But they had this goat trained, and they would open the gate, and every time the goat would go to this slaughter floor or knocking pen, they would give it a little treat, a piece of candy, a piece of chewing tobacco, or something like that. So they'd take the goat back, open the gate, and he would go right towards that knocking pen, that kill floor, and all those sheep would just follow him. And then he'd get there, and they'd give the goat a treat and let him out, and then the sheep would be for the slaughter or whatever. But anyway, the, those sheep, whenever they cut their throat, they just their eyes rolled around, and they didn't try to struggle or get away from it or anything. That's how Jesus Christ, he didn't try to get out of this. But look what, and again, as I said before, there's a lot of people who went to the cross. We don't know how many people went to the cross. But nobody paid the price as what he did. Nobody. Mort sings a song. He could have called 10,000 angels. He didn't have to do that. He didn't even have to pay for his own because he had none of his own. He didn't have to pay for one sin. But he did. Verse uh, 8 uh, and 9. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Uh, because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit uh, in his mouth. So he had no sin of his own, yet he was going to suffer. Verse 10, I'm going to have to rush a little bit now. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now we just got through reading, he had no deceit, he had no sin. But it pleased God the judge to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And we know, well, we don't know the amount of grief, but we tried to look at that this evening. All the sins of all God's elect through all the ages on him. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When it should have been us. We should have been paying for our own if you want to look at it that way. It says, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, we shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And of course, we are, 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 well, we won't go into that. But I do want to read here, it says, uh, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It's talking about the crucifixion on the cross. And I've talked about that word bruise before. It's a, it's just a, we call it a very light thing. I was, I was at work, I think it was the first this week, or the last of the last week. And we have one small copper, it's a tabletop. It's not on a table, but Chuck, there's a, a shelf mounted in the corner. And just had to these little diagonal braces, didn't have legs or anything. It was mounted on a couple sides. Copper sets there. And has a, we had a stapler there. So I was there, and I'd ran some copies and, and uh, put my paper in there and pushed down on the stapler, which was on the shelf. And all of a sudden, the whole shelf came down, hit me on top of my knee, and got this big bruise here. But it's just a bruise. I guess I tried to catch I thought, well, how did I get my knee under there? I think I must have tried to catch the copier anyway. It really banged my knee up, but it's just a bruise. We can look at Chuck's leg back there and tore off the skin down through there, uh, and more than a bruise, but uh, mine is just a bruise. We, do, we generally look at a bruise, well, that's not nothing, it's just, just a bruise. But that's not what this word bruise means here. 
It means crumble, beat to pieces, break in pieces, crush, destroy, smite. So the word bruise is used, but I want us to keep that in mind. It's God's concentrated wrath for all the sins of all God's elect throughout all the ages put on him. And it says it, proves, it pleased the Lord to bruise him or crush or smite. Why? Why would, why would that please God? Well, it pleased God to judge because all these had to be paid for. But it also pleased him because he saw that he paid it for his sheep. And verse 11, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. So it pleased the Lord to bruise him and he was satisfied with the price. Now we know the price should be eternal suffering, lake of fire for every one of them. But this price was paid. And the judge was satisfied with the price. It wasn't worth forgiven, poof, it's gone. It had to be paid for. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. There's that concentration again. He took our iniquities. How many of God's elect is there? I don't know. Elect within elect within elect. All of God's children. How many are there? But every, for every one of them, you take that wrath and add another one and another one and another one. All that on Jesus Christ. In the text we started out with, that every sin, every transgression, it's going to receive a just recompense of reward. So uh, if we try to look at that, the amount of sin that he paid for, we, sometimes I go to the uh, scripture that talks about when he took our sin. And remember when he, he went to pray in the garden? He said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And Helen, I believe that that cup contained our sins. That was going to be what he's going to be paying for. And you say, well, he came for that. Well, yeah, he came for that reason. And he was as a lamb before the slaughter is done. And he didn't have to go through it. He could have called 10,000 angels. In fact, you remember there once an angel was sent to strengthen him? And what happened? He prayed, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood. So he knew what was coming. He wasn't paying for his sin. He was paying for all the sins of all God's elect through all, all the ages. That's what he's going to be paying for. And Lou, this, this one that had raised the dead, opened the eyes of the blind, healed the lame, walked on water, this one with all this power and might. So great was the price he's going to have to pay, an angel sent to strengthen him. No, I don't understand. But it shows the amount of suffering he was going to be suffering. So as we look at that, and knowing he did that willingly, And knowing that you're one of them, doesn't that make you feel 
his love, that he would do that for you. We, you know, we may do small favors for one another, and, and it touches us, just little small things or something. But this, to pay that much, again, forget about all the other people, just you. What would your, what would your price be? Eternal suffering, lake of fire. He paid that for you. Why did he do it? Well, it's love. He didn't have to. It, uh, and I like thinking this scripture too. It's also in Hebrews. It says, uh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So why did he? And again, a lot of people endured the cross. And it wasn't pleasant. But nobody bore the sins that he did. And why did he, why did he endure the cross? said, for the joy that's set before him. And I've mentioned before, sometime in eternity past, you were set before him. I was set before him. And he considered you joy. And he says, I'll do it, Father. And when he did it, what did the Father say? I'm satisfied. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.